We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Sean Cunningham of ABC 10. What's going on, Sean? Happy New Year, James Ham. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Or what was it in uh, Trading Trading Places where it was Merry New Year? Merry New Year. <laughs> the Eddie Murphy character that was and, so great. And doesn't, uh, oh no, he says Happy Birthday. Uh, Frosty the Snowman, when they wake him up, he goes, Happy Birthday. <laughs> the The old Frosty the Snowman with like the really weird dude who keeps like stealing their hat and yeah. Yeah, so weird. great i was asked i was asked on the air last night like oh what were your new year's resolutions and i've come to the conclusion that i think resolutions are kind of silly especially considering like on abc 10 my 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 co-worker kevin john we we're having a king's discussion and he said his new year's resolution was for the kings to make the play in tournament and i said you you fool like how <laughs> like like how you can- fool well, talk about like someone who didn't understand the freaking assignment. Like a New Year's resolution is for you. You you just chose something you have literally no control over. So I want people to understand like if you're doing a resolution, it's something that you have absolute control in. Whether it's whether you lose weight, maybe you get a maybe you work as hard as you can to get a job in the new year. Maybe you want to add on a different hobby or activity, whatever it may be. Those are resolutions. Resolutions that you can control. So because of that, I, I never, I never ever. I think resolutions are stupid. I just, for me, it's always, you know, hey, if you set a goal, that's great, do that. But I just, I'm, I'm no sports cliche, James. I'm, I live day to day. Yeah, I, we're definitely day to day. Like we're all day to day. Yeah, we're all day to day. Um, yeah, I think I don't ever do re, uh, New Year's re- resolutions. Maybe at some point I did like once or twice, but I'm not. I'm someone who decides what's for dinner at like five o'clock. And if at that point, my wife and I will either go out or we'll DoorDash or we'll 
go to the grocery store and start making something then we're not usually planners. I mean, we have a lot of food hiding and stuff and here at the house, but so we can make stuff. Any, like we actually Are you like chipmunks. You just like store it away for the winter. <laughs> What's going on? We do. Like I actually, okay. we have a, a full-size refrigerator like everyone else. And then we have a full-size refrigerator in our pantry. Uh, and then on top of that, we have a, a big box freezer as well. Um, and we also, we do, um, we'll get like a half a pig. Like, I know people look like, what? Like, we'll split uh, like a, a pig. And so we always have like pork in the freezer and, and we do big Costco runs and stuff. We, it's because we live in the sticks and right. it's easier to buy in bulk. And we also have two teenage boys. So we're always buying in bulk and storing in bulk. But yeah, um, so, but rarely do we pull anything out of the freezer until it's way too late to have dinner. Um, so yeah, we just kind of, like I don't do New Year's resolutions just because that's kind of who I am. I'm kind of, uh, I I live moment to moment. Yeah. I, I, please tell me that you when you you go and do these big runs, you don't call it going to town. Like you don't live that no, far away to where no. it's referred to as going to town. No, no. Like going to going to Costco only takes me maybe a half hour. Like it's not that okay. far. Yeah, maybe maybe thirty five minutes on a bad day. It's not that far. And okay. Costco delivers. Like we we do orders on Costco and they deliver here the front door. And it's only like I, I think it's only like 10 bucks. Um, so yeah. That's yeah. well done. See, and I would I would play the part like for King's resolution, what should be their resolutions, because oh yeah, God, God knows there should be a laundry list of them. But um, yeah, I, I mean just but individually, I just think resolutions, you should live day to day. That's yeah, that's how you should do it. Yeah, you can plan I goals, do it, but yeah, I would like to get in a little bit better shape than I am right now. And I'd like to work on my back and get my back stronger because that's always my my biggest issue. So I have a bad back. Um, but like I don't do Lent. I'm not giving anything up for anybody like that's, uh, you know, so I'm not I'm not doing any of that stuff. Uh, Sean, let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so again, ABC 10's Sean Cunningham. I am James Ham, ESPN 1320's Insider and the Kings beat insider. And uh, we got something huge, ginormous coming up Ooh. on Thursday night. It is uh, the second Kings beat happy hour where we're calling it off the record with the Kings beat virtual happy hour. Yeah. Off the record with the Kings beat virtual. Okay. Part, part do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like hot shots part do do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you missed the first happy hour, um, this is like, it's different. It's kind of like if you were someone else that was hanging out with us in the podcast, except for the stories are a little crazier. Um, we add liquor, which always changes some of our decision-making. Um, <laughs> Sean and I go off the rails on occasion. Um, but it's also a place where, uh, you, the reader, the listener, um, the participator in the King's Beat can ask us questions. You will like unmute your mic. You pop up on the screen. We have you. We'll let you ask questions during segments. Um, and we're bringing in a guest. Uh, we're bringing in a, I think it's one of the biggest guests you can possibly get in Sacramento, in my opinion. Like we're not going to bring in a player and then tell a player he can sit here and drink and then have him do something silly. Um, cause like, I don't even want to know what buddy Hill would be like having a few drinks and being on a podcast. No, he'd uh, be just fine. <laughs> just fine. Yeah. I had no chance that could go off the rails at all. 
but Sean, you, I'll let you announce because we're all good friends, but you can go ahead and announce. Oh, I get to, I get to unveil the curtain. Yeah. This week's, well, this is this, this, for part due. Part due. <laughs> I, I feel there's no better guest than to bring in the wonderful, handsome, uh, where else can we go down? Yeah, debonair. Debonair. He's taller, uh, than both of, t- taller than both of us. He's slightly clumsy and very self-deprecating, which is why I love the guy. And it's yeah. uh, Mr. Sam Amick from The Athletic, the former Sacramento Kings beat writer from The B, then Fan House, then... SI and USA Today. Today. So we were like co-workers when he was at USA Today because we are owned by the same company. So yeah, that'll be, it'll be fun to kind of go down his path. And uh, he's got a wealth of stories that he's been around the chaos of the Kings and chaos of the league. And um, yeah, it should be, should be some fun times for sure. And I hope uh, we get to crack open a few uh, stories that, <laughs> that hopefully we can make somewhat public for this very off the record conversation. Yeah, so uh, it's it's off the record, so that means that you're not allowed to record it. Uh, someone records. It. I was I was just telling uh, D'Lo and Casey if someone decides to record it, I'll just I'll just ban you, so you you won't get to come on the King's Beat anymore, which is lame. I I don't think we'll ever have to do that. When you come in and you start like hanging out with us in this situation, you'll get it pretty quickly. It's a good time. It's a good time where we're literally talking about things that probably we shouldn't sometimes, but. Also, it's just a more relaxed atmosphere where you can uh, you can really just kind of like be part of what we're doing here and part of the family. Um, so that is for premium subscribers. If you are not a premium subscriber, you still have time. I'll probably cut it off late Wednesday night to become a premium subscriber because it's just too difficult to send out the Zoom link on Thursday when it's not just one mass email to everyone. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to become a premium subscriber, uh, last time I think we had, we had like 35 people in there or something like that. And everyone had a great time. And we even had, uh, the amazing situation, um, where, uh, you know, we had a gentleman from the Czech Republic that was on, um, who had stayed up all night long. And I, you know, like the dedication of Kings fans worldwide. I think we all know that, that Kings fans worldwide, they're out there, right? There are Kings fans everywhere. Um, I'm expecting a big Portugal contingent with the dedication you have to Namias Keda updates that there better be some, there better be some Portugal folks in this one. I agree. I agree. So shout out to uh, Joshua, who is our, our friend in the Czech Republic, who, uh, who was on the last one. And I, I'm pretty sure he'll be on this one. He'll be up all night and that's sort of the dedication. So it's five 30 to seven on Thursday. Last time we ran a little bit long. You can show up for the whole thing. You can show up for part of it. Uh, but I, I think anyone who was on the first one, it, they are like super excited to get to the second one. Cause it's like, Holy cow, that was fun. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll brush through that a little bit. I mean, um, again, premium subscribers, hopefully you guys jump on board and, and have a good time with us. It's, it's again, probably the best thing about being a premium subscriber is that you get that access. Um, outside of that, uh, it's been a crazy couple of days. Uh, again, it's new year's and, um, Sean and I, like, we'll, we'll talk about this before we really dive into, you know, the play on the court, um, big, big well wishes to our good friend, Gary Gerald, who, uh, who unfortunately tested positive for COVID on Sunday night, um, following the game. And, uh, just, you know, he is, uh, he's vaccinated. He's, he's boosted. 
um, all that stuff, but you know, you just are always concerned. Um, and so hopefully everything goes fine with him. Um, he's probably going to be in protocols for the, the next couple of, uh, well, for like the next week or 10 days. Um, but Sean, that just kind of surreal, right? Because, uh, we're all around Gary all, all night. And, and so it, it kind of hit home after as media, we've kind of, we've dodged this for the most part, uh, throughout the entire, uh, pandemic so far. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you see it, it's made its way through the team. It's made its way through several staffers and you see even game night stuff. I mean, Scott Moak was open about him testing positive, missing a few games, which by the way, I don't think we mentioned like Thaddeus Davis, I think his name is, uh, who's filled in for him has done a pretty good job. He sounds like the SNL guy. Um, but he also does a pretty good Scott Moak impression. So yeah, I know Moak, I know Moak's going crazy, uh, in quarantine. Hopefully he'll be back by Wednesday. Um, fortunately he's asymptomatic, but I think that's the, the hope that we'll have with, uh, G man and his family. And, um, you know, obviously he's, he's a, a little bit more longer in the tooth than Mr. Moak. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to seeing Gary back there and I know it's going to kill him to miss games. Um, it's going to absolutely, he, he's going to drive miss Marlene crazy in that cooped up in that household. So, uh, shout out to G man and Marlene, hopefully, uh, all goes well. And I know they've got a pretty solid, uh, support system and, uh, they've got more than capable backups, uh, to fill in the void. Jason Ross will be there and, um, you know, as long as hopefully nothing else spread over there. So, uh, good people over there and we're hope to get it. I mean, it's just real world situation. I mean, you, you look at those lines outside of the venue to get in and the, the testing area is just bigger and bigger every single game. So these are the holidays. We know what, what it looks like in the NBA. It's real world stuff. You protect yourself and kind of go forward. Yeah. Uh, so again, nothing but love for G man. I, I think it's something that people don't know is that like, the Sacramento media, we're not that big of a group and we're a very, very tight group. Like most of the media members sit together at dinner almost every single game. It's, it's tight quarters in there, you know, and you get to know a lot of the people and it, it, it's ever changing. Yeah. yeah it's ever changing. But uh, yeah. some of the ones that like G man, myself, you, I mean, the ones that have kind of been there a while, it's, you, you start to see some of these people more than you see your own family. So uh, yeah, yeah it, it's a, it's definitely, you know, you wish everyone the best for sure. Everyone's yeah, going through it. It's jarring. Um, all right. So we're going to get into the basketball talk. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to start with um, Tuesday overreactions. All the overreactions. See, Sean is still on the fence about overreactions. I like them. They just end up pissing me off. It, ends, it turns me into a rant usually. It's good. It Ranting is Sean is good, is good, Sean. <laughs> it, it's good YouTube and, and good uh, audio. Yeah, so we're okay. going to try to push Sean's buttons like, yeah, come on, Sean. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, so Tuesday overreactions. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. he said this just whimsical thing as he was going off the court after a huge victory. New year, new us. Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm actually really surprised how many people ran with that comment. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that that was done in the uh, in arena interview uh, yep. with Thaddeus, who we talked about a minute ago, or actually was it Thaddeus? Yeah, it was Thaddeus. Um, filling yeah, it was Thaddeus Mo. because no one else was there. No, no one else, <laughs> no one else was there. Um, I'm, I'm pouring hot tea. That's what that noise is. I'm pouring oh, hot tea. 
thought you're using the restroom. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look, it was definitely a tongue in cheek comment. Like he's kind of poking fun that, you know, Hey, we just, you know, we just showed what we, what we are against the Dallas Mavericks uh, in a game winning situation, another COVID depleted team. And then that same COVID depleted team comes out and hands us our lunch in the second half. Uh, and, you know, and we quit. And then here we are beating a, you know, Kings beating a COVID depleting depleted team uh, at the last possible second where Jimmy Butler really had a great look to put that game away and you missed. So um, that one, well, excuse me, I would have forced overtime. So yeah, forced overtime. But, you know, I think it's more tongue in cheek. I think he was kind of just laughing at it a little at, at, at their own expense a little bit, fortunately. But I think there were some people that took that and were like, oh, yeah, look at this. They, they, they think they're back. They think they're back. Here we go. Let's go. Well, I think it's there like, are even no. some fans who think, oh, my gosh, they're back. One. <clears throat> right. Um, Sorry to clear my voice right there. Yeah, Sean, uh, like like I think the line that I used is always too high, always too low. We, we've gotten away from never too high, never too low. Yeah. And now we're, we're like every single thing is an over-examination. And uh, for me, I, I think it was interesting. Uh, Alvin Gentry said, and I, I think it was either pregame or postgame. I think it was uh, postgame on Friday that he believes that the Kings have the pieces in place, that they have enough talent to get done what they, their goal that they set out to, to do, which to be honest, it's making the playoffs. That's the goal. It's not winning. He said, we do not have enough to win an NBA championship. We do have enough to, to achieve the goals, but everyone has to play better. Um, For sure. And, and so I think that's what we're looking at. Like the new, the new year, new us. Do you think that it's possible that there's like an epiphany moment for this team where they just go, look, like we have to, we have to win the games that we're supposed to win and we're going to lose a lot of the games that we're supposed to lose, but, but we're also going to steal away a couple of wins here and there. And if you do that, if you win the games you're supposed to win or win games against sub 500 teams and win games around you in this against teams in around you in the standings and then steal a couple of wins, you're going to be at 500 or maybe a little notch above. Do you think it's possible or are we going to still see the same team that, you know, wins an exciting back to back, and then lays an egg and gets abused and then comes back and wins. Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we, we know who this team is. I think we've seen it. This is who they are. I think, I don't think they're, I don't think there's a switch that they're going to flip that all of a sudden makes them a more rugged physical hit first team. I think the one thing that they can control though, is finding the unit that rebounds well, defends as well as possible. I mean, it's no secret. We've talked about over the past few podcasts, James, that, Alvin has clearly found going bigger kind of a better option for their team, um, especially, you know, to help out on the rebounding, all that, all that. But I do feel the one thing they also can control is to keep their foot on the gas. And we've seen that for the better stretch of this 10 and 11 stretch with Alvin Gentry, which is they show the want to try to be this run downhill team. You know, it, it doesn't always look pretty. I mean, it's seldomly, I mean, it's, it's one game. It does one game. It does. It's literally a quarter to quarter proposition for them. But I do feel that that is something that they can figure out with the group that they have, but no, to the greater point, James, I keep saying that maybe at best, this is a 500 basketball team and they're kind of showing that right now. But I also think that 
even when you're 500 and as inconsistent as you can be at 500, you tend to find that, okay, this is who we are. Things don't tend to get so hot and cold with this team, but that's exactly what they are. This hot and cold team, the one that gets punched in the mouth first, which I do feel that they can control a little bit. The scoring, I do think they can control much more than anything else because it shouldn't fluctuate the way that it does. Buddy Heald doesn't have to go out and hit seven threes a game the way he did last night, but he also doesn't have to go out and shoot four or five times a game in games we've seen before as well. Like you got to find that happy medium. But the one thing that I think is the biggest consistency with this team, well, two things really, is De'Aaron Fox has shown he's that player again coming out of COVID um, for the second time. He was playing well before going into the COVID protocols. Averaging almost 27 a game and the five games leading into protocol. Absolutely. And he was, and you know, there was some talk about him being in Western conference player of the month discussions or excuse me, player of the week discussions. And then here he is coming out and having a sensational game after maybe that first clunker uh, with the Dallas game. He's now rounding into shape a little bit better. I love the free throws. I couldn't believe that 14 out of 15, the guy who historically struggles at the free throw line, but it also kind of coincides with what we've seen over the last two years, where for some reason, I don't know if it's his birthday if it's Christmas, if it's the new year, but he tends to have some pretty nice games in, in the month of January. Like the month of January is very kind to him. So if that's what it takes, great. We're, we're about to see some, some really good De'Aaron Fox. And the other one is Tyrese Halliburton. Who's just, as you mentioned, James, like, you know, you mentioned it. There's someone, someone from Greece and the media was calling him Mr. Double Double. And he's kind of, he's kind of living up to that a little bit. I love to see the, Christos the ball Saltos. yeah. Shout out Christos. Um, I, you know, I think these are things that are good. I think you're starting to see some, some, when this team is good, what does it look like? But it also looks like even when they're bad, that some of these things can still be there. We've seen when this team is bad and Tyrese Halliburton still have a fantastic game. Sometimes you want to see the scoring higher, but I still think these are the consistencies that are going to move the team forward. But if there's anything that Kings fans should probably hope for this new year is to hopefully shake up this core. Cause I think no matter what, even if it's your 10 and 11 under Gentry, um, this team still shows what they are and they still need to shake up in the worst way. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. 100%. Uh, I, again, I was on, uh, with D'Lo and Casey on Monday and, uh, they had a stat. It was something like when the Kings lose the average loss is like 18.3 points. And when they win the average one is like 8.3. I think it's I think- really interesting what we've seen over the last week. We hadn't seen a close game in so long. That's what I felt like. I like how many times are we, we getting to check the two minute report to see if, if uh, there's something different that happened and, you know, if someone made a mistake or whatever. And the fact is they, there isn't a two minute report because the game is never decided the final two minutes. And, And so we're at this point now where you're starting to see this team, um, get into some close games and not only that, like come away with, a big win, a big, you know, Chemezi Metu hits a three, uh, De'Aaron Fox hits a pair of three, uh, free throws and they've won, you know, again, three out of four. Um, but you know, it's still, it's the one, the game on Friday where they get absolutely lambasted and they give up a 24 to two run in the third quarter that just feels so bad. And, yeah. and so like, like what I said, like the, problem with this team is like you cannot be never too high never too low it's always too high always too low because that's who they've they've become they they make you feel bad about them when they when they lose and when they win 
you kind of, it looks like they figured things out, but it's not, that's not who they are either. And so it, Sean, it's just really one of the most, again, of of all the seasons I've covered, I don't want to say, I mean, because it's too early to say it's the most disappointing team, but it's like, that's what we're talking about. It's probably going to be the most disappointing team unless they figure it out. And all of a sudden they, they make it to the play in game or they make it to the postseason because we just don't know. Well, and to that, James, I mean, objectively speaking, too, let's let's be honest. And I'm not trying to take away from their wins because certainly this Kings team was COVID depleted themselves and went out and found a way to win a couple games. But the success that they've had over the better part of two weeks has also been against teams that are missing upwards of eight, nine players. I mean, I mean, and, and you're barely beating these teams. So again, like look at Dallas. Like they still had Chris Steph, Porzingis and Jalen Brunson and, you know, serviceable, fantastic former all-star and KP, you know, I'm not trying to take away from them, but in a sense, I kind of have to, I mean, look at the Miami heat. I mean, they're depleted. They still had Kyle Lowry and they still had Jimmy Butler and and Tyler hero. Who's averaging over 20 game this season. I mean, they still had players. Uh, I I mean, like I want to take, this is such a weird time, Sean. Like how, how do you analyze this like month of a season where like, again, no, it's Sac- tough. It, it's so tough dude. the Sacramento Kings on a Sunday in, in January played against a team that literally at one point had Nick Stauskas, Kyle guy and Chris Silva, all three former Kings on the court together. To, I mean, <laughs> at one point, yeah. Stauskas hasn't been in the NBA for three years. And we to that, saw, to that we point, saw James, Chris Silva was. Yeah, I, I remember looking at you at the, during that game last night or on Sunday night, and I and I literally I was like, dude, they're they're playing a bunch of against a bunch of guys that probably won't be on the roster come April, or when, come when, next week, come or or fair, yeah, but but I mean, if you just look yeah. at what the playoff team for the Heat will look like, because I think we all know that I mean that's going to be a playoff team, mm-hmm. but there's but I mean these guys aren't going to be on the floor, and it's. That's what I'm talking about because I'm trying not to take away from the wins, but but also with the grain of salt, knowing that you're going up against teams that are depleted. However, the Kings, for even when they were depleted, were still, for the most part, still playing some pretty rotational players. Yeah, you relied on some some guys that maybe you didn't have, you know, that are a little farther down the bench. It, it created opportunity for a guy like Damian Jones, who mm-hmm. has really risen above the fray. I think that's a good thing. But more to the point, like just it's a very hard thing for I mean every team is going through it so every team is having to navigate these waters and you're going up against guys that there's no scouting reports for you're going up against guys like you know that are all of a sudden careers are being are are literally being made I mean like Omar, I, I had seven. mentioned oh my god they guy look like a hall of famer against the kings yeah Omar, um, you're seven I mean he looked like that in the California classic and then you know he's got to play because he got nobody else and man yeah, I mean, good. I told you that I was looking at, you know, we were talking about guys that we had our eyes on, you know, that could be available in free agency, G League, what have you. And one of those guys was Stanley Johnson. Goes to Chicago, has a 10-day. Then he jumps to the Lakers. His 10-day expired with Darren Collison's today, I believe. And they want to bring, the Lakers want to bring Stanley back. Like, there's there's literally going to, like, look at Marquise Chris. He's with Dallas. He's been sensational for them. And the likelihood that he stays there is probably pretty good, especially with, whatever's going on with Willie Cauley-Stein over there, I mean, he could certainly be an upgrade in that department. So 
Um, yeah, there's careers that are being made. I think that it's, it's an interesting time, but I also think it's put the, you know, I talk about how this core of the Kings needs to be shaken up in the worst way. And, and obviously it takes two to tango. And we've talked about that. And obviously sometimes you need more than one, more than two teams just to pull off any kind of trade. Yep. But, but I think this whole thing has kind of derailed uh, trades and, and, and things of that nature, because you, you just don't know what to expect from one night to the next. You almost have to let this thing go through the entire league and then finally figure out what you have. I mean, you're, th- you're over 30 games in now to the season for mo- all these teams. And uh, by now, I think we talked about last week, James, which was, I think by now we know what the Kings are with the constructed as they are now, but there are other teams that are so much question marks, even 30 games in that you just don't know. So uh, I think there's some teams that have that, that are they going to blow it up? Or are they not? How does it look? But this COVID thing has just completely derailed the league. And what does it look like two weeks from now? I mean, we've got essentially COVID is spread through half more than half the Kings roster. What happens if it gets to the other half of the Kings roster? Like, what does it look two weeks from now? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's that's the problem. We we don't even know where it ends. Like, like how many of these guys? I, I know Justin Jackson signed with the uh, uh I think it was with the Boston, Boston Celtics. I think, yeah. And then went into protocol. Isaiah Thomas signed with Dallas. Now he's in protocol. Like he'll spend his 10 day contract in protocol. That's where we've gotten now where like, we have no idea who's going to be available from one night to the next. I mean, at this point, Rashawn Holmes is of course out for the Sacramento Kings. He's in protocol. Uh, But then, uh, then Porzingis goes into protocol. So how many more Kings are going to get it from the, like the Kings still had, I think it was like nine players, 10 players that had not been in protocol. So there's a problem here, like that we could keep seeing this thing like go on for another month or two. I I mean, eventually you're going to get to the hundred, the 450 players. And and then on top of the 450, we're talking another 75 or hundred players. I mean, like Wesley Johnson was signed by the Clippers who was on, who was one of their coaches. Wow. Yeah. He was signed by the Clippers (laughs) for the Kings game. When the Kings played the Clippers, Wesley Johnson was signed. And that gave him his 10th year in the league. And now he gets lifetime medical and he gets another 800 bucks a month as part of his retirement. Good for um, that dude had been out of the league. I mean, we're seeing little Stauskas hadn't, hadn't played in the league in three seasons. Uh, like Isaiah Thomas had been trying to get back in the league for like two years. Um, it's opened the store, Darren Collison. I mean, he's been asked to come back like two or three times and, and wouldn't. And then finally he says, yes. And I don't know if he'll he'll get another 10 day or not because it doesn't look like it because you only get once you have your players out of protocol, you can't sign 10 day contracts if you don't have a roster spot. So yeah, maybe weird. with the with the Rondo trade, maybe that opens up something for him. But it is weird that he decided not to come back. He had the Clippers and the Lakers both clamoring for him. The Lakers looked like they wanted him the most. And he said no. But then this 10 day opens up and he's like, OK, I'll do it. Yeah, last year, last year, ten days, ten days. Yeah, yeah it's not well. Ten days for him is like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which, that I mean, Collison made. Yeah, he made plenty of money, but that is easy money to go show up. You might have to play two games. You might have to play three games. That's it. You know, go to a couple of practices, uh, and, and you're going to make a bunch of money. So um, when it comes I, to I, this, go ahead. So, sorry, I don't mean. I I do wonder though what the pressure is. Like, if you're a team that's complete, almost completely healthy. Granted, Rashawn just went down with COVID, but you're going up against a team that's eight or nine missing eight or nine normal players. Mm-hmm. The pressure to win in that circumstance, 
you can say that, oh, it's just an NBA game. You know, you got to respect every NBA player. I get it. But like losing one of those games feels like you've lost like three straight. It does. It does. And, and not it even should, making it right? close, not Shouldn't even making it? it close. That's usually the problem where you, you walk out and you're like, I mean, we talked about it. The Philadelphia game was the worst game that we've seen. And that's the pre-COVID outbreak, right? That was right. a bunch of dudes who were just out for other reasons. Like, and the Kings get thumped by, by like five subs. I mean, that's, that's not what should happen. I mean, like the Kings should have more intestinal fortitude than to do that. Um, you know, that, that's just, but it's not just that game. It's been so many games. And, and so again, it, it's so hard to put your finger on what's happening. And then you watch a guy like De'Aaron Fox who takes three games to look like normal. Uh, you watch Davion Mitchell who comes in, has a, an incredible game in his first game, but gets winded his second game, non-existent his third game. He's back to like being productive. Like there, there are these players that like, don't look like themselves. I mean, we look at Alex Len out there and it was like, Oh man, Alex Len was a train wreck and he took an extra like four or five or six days to get back. He might not get back in a game shape for like another two weeks because it's not just getting in game shape it's getting in game shape coming off uh, a virus and so some bodies uh, like react to it differently and and so like sean i don't even know what to make of it but i do know that we hit december 15th <laughs> and, and literally the league like almost almost shut down because of all the players missing i mean there was one sunday where what 27 players went out on one day mm -hmm. um but now we're we're down to it sean there's only a month before the trade deadline the trade deadline's february 10th this year it's way earlier than normal at least what I remember being normal. Like this is a point where if you're the Kings and you're at, uh, you, you have, you're in like solo possession of 10th place, but you're like a game out of ninth. And I think they're like three games out of three. fifth. Yeah. But you're also like five and a half games out of last place. Like if I'm looking at this and, and I look at the Clippers who just lost Paul George to an elbow injury and I'm looking at some of the other teams that are around me, the Minnesota's right above you. And you know, Minnesota's always a hot mess and goes through the ups and downs. No one is convincing me that like, like this group of teams are, are great above you. Why not swing for the fences? And I know it takes two to tango, but like, are, aren't we at that stage where you're like, is there a way we can take advantage of this situation and not just make a trade to make a trade, make it like I, I wrote this on Sunday, like in Sunday musings, Make a trade because you're not good enough, but you got to do something, right? Like this looks like that moment where there are going to be teams that bow out and just say, look, there's no way we're going to get through this season without like, we're not going to be good. So let's put a couple of guys up for, for make them available. And, and, you know, I think that this is that moment where the Kings have to like be ultra aggressive and look for contracts that are longer, look for players that fit their player arc look for you know the perfect deal which i'm not sure it's oh it's ever out there but there certainly seems like there's got to be some deals that would make this team better right now that could help them push them over the the hump almost like we talked about baseball the baseball analogy last week almost like a, a team that's looking at you know we need one more starter or we need one more bat or we need one more reliever that's what this feels like. Like the Kings need all three of those. They need one more starter. They need one more bat. They need one more reliever. But a lot of times you get in this situation where those pieces become available in a normal season 
but with all this chaos, it seems like this should be a perfect time to go out and get some better pieces. No, it does. And to keep the baseball analogy going, you said swing for the fences. You know, I think you have to identify what those are. And it's kind of the caution sign that I would throw up when Monty McNair was talking about, even in his press conference, about wanting to be able to make pull the trigger when when the big move happens. And then if everyone sees that the big move happens is, you know, Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless and like, that's not it. Right. So like, right. Right. Like, so when you look at what could be out there, for example, like swinging for the fences is definitely a Ben Simmons, Demonis Sabonis type move. Ground rule double might be Christian Wood. Christian Wood is a good solid ground rule double, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's swinging for the fences, but it's not bad. Um, I don't know that I love it, but it would certainly be one of those. Okay. Let's this second is, or this third is, starter. Right. This is the, this yeah. is the type of, this is the type of move we almost have to make. Like look at Houston. But again, I actually think that there's the teams you need to, people need to look at more so because I think, for example, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, I believe it was, was looking at that team like Memphis who, and I'm not saying the Kings would be involved with Memphis. That's not what I'm, but, but like you almost need to find a situation like Memphis finds itself in a great situation. I feel like, but they're the ones that need to be going out there and being ultra aggressive to finding that other piece. It's not like it's going to be a piece. that's going to be a John Morant, like face of your franchise, but it's the one that's going to help them make that push from seven to four, you know, getting into possibly that top four in the conversation right now. I think they are fourth in the West. I don't have it in front of me, but they're just right outside there. I think there's yeah. some separation between one, two, and three with, with, uh, Golden State, Phoenix, and in, in, in Utah. Oh no, they're four, and they're, they're separated, four. and they're separated too. I mean, the there's a big separation between four and five, right? At and this they point. can, and there's pieces I'm sure that they're identifying right now. I mean, they like I used Harrison Barnes as a like he's a he's a guy that could go in there and fit really well. Now I don't know what Harrison Barnes nets you from a, a Grizzlies team that's trying to make that type of push, but you know you do have some nice draft picks. You do have some you know, that's your biggest act, your biggest uh, commodity in your chest here right now in Sacramento. So if you do have that third team that's out there, I, I almost look at one of those teams as the ones you need to partner up with because they're the ones that are going to be trying to add to their collection of talent to give them that push. Sacramento's in the same way, but in a low, in a much, much lower regard, like you're looking for a franchise altering move right now. Memphis isn't making a franchise altering move. They're trying to get that push that added help in to the playoffs yeah i think if you're looking at memphis what you're looking for there is short-term boost something they can get us over that next step I, I they're almost five games up on denver at this point but that, again see denver is a funny situation you look at denver denver is a team that's just waiting and waiting and waiting for their for their uh reinforcements to return from injury so they're waiting for you know murray and they're waiting for uh, Michael Porter Jr. And if they can just hold the line until those guys get there. So I think you're right. Like every single one of these teams look has such a different look, but if I'm the Kings, I'm looking at uh, guys that are under contract long-term guys that are in the age 24 to 27 um, guys that can help me now, but can also be part of a three to five to eight year run. That's what you're looking for. And so mm-hmm. like you, you said, Christian Wood. Like I'm all over Christian Wood right now. If I'm the Kings, I mean it's been a mess there. He's got there. There's got to be some person. I don't. I haven't talked to Christian Wood. There has to be some sort of like issues behind the scenes besides what we're seeing in Houston, because 
that guy's way too talented to to not be able to get into the league and stick up until this point. Um, but what's he averaged like 20 and 10 last year? He's at 17 and 10 right now. He shoots a three. He would fit perfectly next to Rashawn Holmes. Like he's a guy that I'm circling. He's only under contract for one more year after this year. Uh, and it's at like 13 point something or 14 point something. It's not something crazy, but like, I, I think the Kings have, they've tried for this superstar swing, right? They, they keep holding on to Buddy Hield and Marvin Bagley, hoping that that, or, you know, that that 34 million, 35 million will yield them some star if they throw in enough picks. Maybe it's time to go get a guy like Christian Wood, who's at 14 million. So you can throw, say, Tristan Thompson and Robert Woodard, and then a first round pick. Maybe that's enough to get a Christian Wood because he's only under contract one more year. And then if you get him here, you hopefully it works and you stick it out. And I think he's a guy that could be part of a building block. Again, he's he's two years older than De'Aaron Fox. He's four or five years older than, uh, well, three or four years, uh, four or five years older than Halliburton. But that's what I think the Kings should be looking at right now, as opposed to everyone just waiting around to see if you're going to give all your draft picks for Ben Simmons. Right. Well, and it's, fortunately, like I, like I do feel there is a strike now mentality, like you need to do something quickly. But if the difference is to do that, let's, you know, I'm going to play a fantasy world right now. Do that trade, James, let's say on January 10th, right? Or see what happens with, with Ben Simmons that you could be, you might be able to be a part of possibly later on. What, what if like, if you wait that month and where are you? I mean, obviously that's a franchise altering move. You don't care about the playoffs at that point, whatever happens happens in the season, but mm-hmm. that's a franchise altering move. Like sometimes you just kind of have to wait it out and see, you know, that's, that's the, the tough part. Well, and again, I, I'm not the most excited over someone like Christian Wood, um, but I, I, I do see why people would be, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But I, do I, think I mean, Hey, some- it could be part of one move that leads into another. Like if you, somehow make the the move for Christian Wood. Now, I mean, now people, do you offer up uh Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald for Ben Simmons with a future first round pick and and take back a little bit more on, on their end. And next thing you know, you've made two moves. So you actually make the move that makes sense because if you're going to have a guy like uh uh Ben Simmons on your roster, you, you need Christian Wood is you need a shooter. You need a, a big that can shoot. So he could be a guy that that for long stretches plays the five and can stretch the floor. So I'm just saying, like, like, look, I, I know this is all like wild and speculative, and but like, why not? Like at this point, like <laughs> you're bad and you've been bad for 15 years. Like right. the, the why not shouldn't be. Can we please just make the play in? Can we? Can this group just hold it together enough so we we can make the play in and 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 get trounced in for you know even if you you make it to the playoffs somehow you're going to get trounced in the seven game series so i mean we're talking congratulations about here's five phoenix Here, congratulations yeah. here's phoenix or golden state here's golden state yeah well, you go everyone, ahead and- everyone's been wanting to see that series in a in a playoffs at one point you know where you see the kings and warriors meet up with each other but that ain't the year <laughs> that's not what like we've all wanted to see a playoff between the kings and the warriors but a one and a one versus eight just doesn't seem like that would be a fun. It wouldn't be fun, right? Well, no, and I mean, like, look, the Kings, no matter what, they're gonna have a tough time getting 
past that, like to get up to a four or five it is not going to be easy. Right. Um, you know, so I'm not saying like, that's going to be the outcome here, but if you can somehow get to the six, then that gives you the opportunity to not play one of the top three teams in the first round and, and not just get completely trounced. So yeah, like Sean, I, I'm open to whatever at this point. Like I just look at this season as, um, you, you know who you are, you know what you are. Don't, don't fool yourself. Don't let a, a three and four stretch fool you. Don't let a, a five game stretch fool you where they, they win magically. You know who this team is. Like, yeah. I mean, I think there's people who would look at there and they go, oh, man, if you're only three wins better, like we could have won this game. We could have won this one. And I can easily double down on that and go, there's six of them. You probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. Like it's, it's easy to say one way or the other. And it's, and then it's like, okay, well now you're down here towards, you talked about it, James, there's three, three, three games separating. I think, the 10th and like the last and almost last in the, in the West right now, like it's yeah. not that big of a difference. So yeah, the Kings aren't that far out of last place. They're I mean, not. and again, you, there are people who would argue, Hey, if you're, if your draft picks are your biggest assets then why not hold on to them and just, you know, forget the season and just let it, I get it. Like, I understand that. But to me, it's my argument to that is you don't need to get younger. This team does not need to be younger. Even if you're hitting a reset, it can't be a hard reset. You have to have a reset to where, you're still competitive because right now, if you're just going to mail it in and say, we're going to, we're going to do it the right way. And we're going to just totally, you know, rebuild. You already did that once you've done that multiple times. And I just don't think there's a stomach even financially for a market like this to go out there and support another rebuild. So it can't be a hard reset. Yeah. And, and if you're looking at the arena, like Sean and I are all the time, someone won a, a prize from section two seventeen the other day and whoever <laughs> put up that prize, like, literally gave away like 40 quick quack car washes or something. I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. I don't know uh, what it was, but all I know is I looked up in the stands and there were 40 people in the section that were celebrating wildly. Like they had just got free tacos. Um, which again, that's like the strangest thing. People will kill each other for a t-shirt at an NBA arena. That's a t-shirt. I think it just says proud, right? Yeah. T-shirt. I mean, or... Everyone wins free tacos. I mean, I'm not trying to slam Taco Bell because God knows that's a sober up food that I've, I've become I love me some Taco with. Bell, yeah. uh, but you're, you're losing your mind over. What is it? 89 cent taco, 79 cent taco. Like, what are we talking about? I think they all went up in price Sean. They're more Did expensive. They? They're like a okay. dollar 19 taco, but still. <laughs> yeah. You would think I know. Well, I think our point though, <laughs> our point here, Sean, is that, uh, an announced crowd of uh, 14,500. I, I know one of them was 8,200 people came to the turnstiles. That's it. 8,200. So what Sean and I are seeing there, you can't continue to be bad. And if, if you want to do that, then I, like, I don't even know what happens. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I watch soccer. I wish there was a relegation. I wish there was a way to get relegated. And the problem, and I'll also say this, like we talked about draft picks. The problem that the Kings have is that they would never get relegated. That's that's the, they're never in the bottom four. They're never in the bottom two. They're just <laughs> good enough to get a bad draft pick. And so again, we talked about I talked this on D Lo and Casey a few a little while ago. Like, uh, how many number seven picks? How many number eight picks have the Kings had in their history? And it dates all the way back, it's like Lionel Simmons, Walt Williams, Bobby Hurley. Uh, you know, Jason Williams was a home run at number seven, but even like a moderate home run that was a risk at, at number seven. But it, it just like Nick Stauskas, uh, Ben McLemore, but the Jimmer pick was number seven. The, 
the uh, Marquise Chris pick that they traded was number nine. The Davion Mitchell pick is number eight. Uh, where they were when they moved up for Fox was they were at number eight. They moved up to number two. They fell back to number five. Um, that was like, a fun year. Yeah, that's a fun year. Well, <laughs> at a, least it that's was literally like, a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's his season in a nutshell. Um, but I, I think that my point is that you don't get better by being the seventh or eighth pick in the draft. Very rarely do those players like ascend to greatness. They are usually solid rotational pieces. Most of the time they're starters, not all the time, but very seldom do you get an all-star or do you get a, like a, a really, really like game changing player at that mark. And that's why like the process losing and tanking does make sense for some teams. And so the Kings still, even this season, they're not bad enough to, to be in the top five. And this is a, a five man draft, a four man draft. Um, you know, can they get a player that that's going to make that much difference? And then I'll yeah. even say, Sean, like the other thing that people aren't even considering, like I, I went through it with my son who, you know, has been a competitive soccer player forever. He went through a senior year in high school uh, where they got to play four games and they were against like two teams. They played twice um, because of COVID. It was just a mess. Like we are going to hit a, a phase where the COVID situation actually impacts the development of, of young players coming into the draft and it will take longer to develop players because they didn't play for a year or, or 18 months. It'll be harder to evaluate players. We'll have players that become way better than we ever thought they could be and like go from like un, uh, like players that don't even get college scholarships to really, really good players because we, we had this whole time where we're, kids aren't playing sports and the evaluation, the development, all that stuff. So like, if I'm Oklahoma city, I'm looking at my like Trevor Trove of, of draft picks. And I'm wondering how do I trade a lot of these? Cause that's coming. It's, it's going to be one of the long-term effects that we see down the line from, from the COVID uh, era of, of high school and, and rec league and AAU sports. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. I mean, you could, but I also think too that those val the value of that pick, and we we've talked about it at nauseum, James, where it's you know, the pick is never worth more as much until you until before you hitch a name to it. Like it, that's before you hitch a name to it is worth the most it can it can possibly be, and. To me, I think that's still, despite what you're saying, especially with the Europe, with the you know Europe and international markets of players and G League and you know guys who okay maybe I didn't get the scholarship all right let me just jump into the G League I've got enough you know backing I have you know I'll hire an agent whatever it might be it's gonna there's gonna be some risk takers out there and I think you're gonna see a lot of home runs later in in later rounds of the draft because there's gonna be guys where okay maybe we didn't have we're not sold on this part of his development. We don't know this much because we don't have a sample size of games because so many games have been canceled. Recruiting scouting isn't out there. That's where you're going to start to see it. Like the second round pick is all of a sudden going to have a lot more value than maybe it did in years past. So I could easily see that for sure. And I think the G league angle as well is really going to be inc incredibly more valuable uh, over these next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, look at a guy like Brandon Boston who just mm -hmm. had a, a miserable freshman season. And then all of a sudden you're looking at him as an NBA player. It's like, Oh, okay. 
Now and look by at the, the way, talent. They love him. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely love that kid. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like the sample size that we're getting from some of these players has always been small. Like you're, you're like most of the draft is speculative anyways. Uh, but now the sample size is even smaller. Mm-hmm. So guys who have been in college for four years, we at least have a track record. We at least know who they, they are working to become. And some of these players that we've seen for years and years, uh, like we know like Chet Holmgren is going to be an interesting player when he gets to the NBA. It's the other guys. And it's the class behind that. It's a class behind that. This completely had some of their, you know, their, there aren't AAU tournaments or there weren't with, a, you know, like 300 teams at an AAU tournament, everyone's piling into their car and doing it. There just wasn't because of the shutdowns. So uh, like, again, I just think it's one of those things that people should think about. And uh, again, I'm a, if I'm the Kings, I'm aggressive. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing caution to the wind, especially Monty McNair. If he gets done with this trade deadline and you get through two trade deadlines uh, and two off seasons and the the four big moves that you made were Tristan Thompson, Mo Harkless, uh, you know Terrence Davis, and Alex Len, and none of the four are in your rotation. They aren't even playing, and the only two things that you can really pin your hat to are your two draft picks of Ty and Davion. If you can still pin your hat to those, and then that you discovered Damian Jones and Chimazu Metu, and even that they're not even under contract after this year. So, and I think what's great about that too, is, I mean, for an organization who is keenly aware of the way things look, you've got Vivek Ranadive sitting between Wes Wilcox and Monty McNair for two straight games. The past two games, both of them have been seated courtside where, you know, prior to for the past month, probably hadn't seen Monty in person in a long time up until maybe that one practice that, that was on uh, right before Christmas or um, maybe it was right after, I can't remember, but he, he made sure to go around and remember posting the video. And I didn't even want to say, hey, everyone, look, it's Monty McNair. I wanted people just to kind of see it organically and like, oh, look at Monty making the rounds. And, you know, here he is talking to Alvin. And he does this all the time anyway. It was just at a time where obviously the media availability is in the, they're in the building and here we are. So um, yeah, I think, I think appearances say a lot. And I think they're trying to show that, hey, there, there, there's talks going on, but I also think like we've talked about it, James, over the past couple podcasts is like, I think everyone looks at Sacramento and looks at Monty and, and this front office group is like having to operate out of desperation. Yeah. And, and if you, and to me, if you make that Christian Wood move, for example, I'm not saying it's out there. It's just, it's, it's an intriguing name based on what's going on in Houston right now. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, I think that could fall under the category of possibly operating out of desperation because it is that risk you almost need to take but you know that one for me has me a little bit you'd rather have the the guy who hasn't played a game the entire season because you know and possibly mental health issues and who you know couldn't hit a free throw in in clutch and and (laughs) refused to take it to dunk uh, and and won't shoot a three like yeah yeah. so like i get it i i get it um the the king's I mean, but at some point you're going to have to act out of desperation because you are desperate. Yeah. I mean, even, even like the Demonis Sabonis, Miles Turner. I mean, there's, there's so many other na- intriguing yeah. names that can be out there. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Portland and what's going on over there. Like, yeah, that's a train wreck. Yeah. And, you know, and everyone's, you know, everyone, everyone's waiting to see what Dame will do. And it's like, okay, you don't have Neil O'Shea in there anymore. I mean, who's running the franchise? I mean, I think everyone's looking at Portland going like this has, you guys have to do something. You got to move CJ. You got to move 
are you going to move Dame or what are you going to do? And um, yeah, yeah. What a mess. What a, it's mess. a mess. It's a mess. Um, all right. So we've had some good stuff. Let, let's just cover uh, Tyrese Halliburton is like, he just keeps dealing out assists left and right. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, I, he's had 10 or system more and it's something like, I think it's eight or system more in like 10 games, but it, it's, I mean, he's dealing um, and really developing. He's posting double doubles. Uh, I wasn't happy that he only took like six shots the other night. That's a problem. Um, he needs to continue to be aggressive. Uh, but then we also have, you mentioned earlier, the De'Aaron Fox thing where he's hitting 14 out of 15 free throws and he's carrying his team down the stretch and, and, and engaged on both ends of the floor and all of a sudden looks like himself. Uh, and then, you know, what's weird though, I was thinking about this as we were talking yeah. about COVID, like we didn't mention how absolutely hard COVID has hit the league's officials as well. Oh God. And yeah. I, I, it kind of made me wonder like, okay, Darren's getting some calls. Darren's getting some calls. He talked about how his arms were bruised up and cut up after the game for everyone hacking him. And, um, and I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, man, if that was a typical, a true NBA officiating staff, would he have gotten to the line 15 times? That's a good question. I don't know. That I, he would I, I totally agree. Especially we saw it earlier in the week where the Kings couldn't buy a free throw or what was the game where, Oh, against uh, the first Dallas game where Porzingis like flopped like six times and got call after call. I mean, the Kings were in the penalty, penalty yeah. like seven minutes and 40 seconds into the first quarter. Yeah, like, that what in the world is happening? He, he's so deceptive, and obviously the flopping, the flailing, that's all going to catch. But it, I remember looking at like at a few points of those. I'm like, well, the Kings are actually touching him though. Like, yeah, he was like he he, he was. I said it was a masterclass in the way he was, you know, drawing no, I, fouls and getting the officials to look at it. But he was yeah. still getting hands on him, and it was almost worse the second game, James, where they where they went out and turned that. It was funny, like in the in the third quarter of the Heat game. I remember thinking to myself, it's a 5-0 run to start the third and, and Gentry called timeout. That's oh, how, yeah. that's how yeah. gun shy they are about the third quarters and these starts. And, um, you know, they started well, as Tyrese will point out, Tyrese Halliburton pointed out that third, the second Dallas game, they started out the third quarter pretty well. They forced Dallas to make the first time out. It was 67-67. And then they gave up a 24-2 run. And then it, yeah, and it's those. It's again, it's those six zero run, twelve zero run, eighteen run. Now it's twenty four. What are we doing? How does that yeah. happen? And, how do you miss twelve it, consecutive I, shots? I don't, I don't understand how. Well, and to that point, okay, great. Get to the free throw line one time. <laughs> like, the only two points they had was two free throws free by throw Harrison Barnes. Yeah, yeah. Get to the free throw line, like just what? And and then like I, I see like you see them it start rolling downhill. Do the same thing. Quit walk. Don't walk the ball up court. Like if they get a quick bucket on you, quick bucket back. Just go, just attack. Yeah. And and they're just not that. I mean, they're just not that team. And I don't know. I I think the ball movement stagnates at that point, and it's just like every every box you're supposed to check what not to do. They seem to go up. Oh, we got that one. Up. Oh, we got this one. You know. Yeah. It's it's just bad. It, yeah. It's wild. Okay. So um, let's get to uh, uh, Damian Jones. Um, has taken like huge steps. Um, I think we should all be super happy for Damian because he's mm -hmm. a, he's a good young guy. who's a hard worker. Um, Tristan Thompson and Alex Len. I mean, when Rashawn Holmes comes back, are they out of a job? 
Should be. Both of them. I mean, Damian Jones not only has earned the minutes, but if you remember back even in the, I don't even like to call it, this is unfair, but the Luke Walton days. Uh, of the Luke season. Walton era of yeah. Sacramento Kings basketball. <laughs> but even of this season, like when they would go down 20, Damian was part of the groups that would bring them back or go out yeah. there and at least have a positive impact on the game. So um, uh, it didn't just start in this month. I mean, this is stuff that had been groundwork that had been laid even when Luke was still coaching. I mean, everything Damian has done has been a positive. Now, you know, you can maybe question some of the shots. I don't know if the outside perimeter shooting is going to still be there with him, but um, I think he has a positive impact. He runs the floor really well. He's definitely rebounding, which is why he's on the floor. Um, because, you know, even though Tristan, you know, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to get off the bench or be that kind of guy, you could say maybe it's a shape thing. I, I don't know. But there have been times he's impacted the game well, especially on the offensive rebounds. Yeah. But it's those defensive rebounds. Either he's not running the floor well, he doesn't get back quick enough. And that's why the likes of Marvin Bagley and Damian Jones are there. I mean, they can run and they can rebound and they can lead the, they can get out on the break and they get out. Even met too. Yeah. 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 yeah for the, sure. the trio so, of them, they were so good in the, the win over OKC. I think that's the win where they almost all of them at, uh, I think met had eight boards and the other two, I, I think Damian Jones had a career high 14 and, and Marvin had 10 like that. That's what you're hoping for. You got young springy legs, go get us. Like, that's why, why? that's why they're going big. That's why we're Absolutely. seeing the Kings go big. Um, okay, so uh, we've, we've got uh, one other big topic to discuss, and that is the business of basketball. Did we land on one? We've been talking business the whole time. What did we land on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited now. Sean, and all your years of covering the Kings. Oh, no. <laughs> what's your favorite trade? We lost Sean. Oh, wait, Sean is back. I'm back. I was scratching my, my, my eyebrow. Um, okay. So Sean and your, all your years of covering the Kings, what is your, your favorite trade? Cause mm. there haven't been that many major ones since I've been, since I've covered the Kings, but uh, I certainly would like to hear like, what was the one? I, I think I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. You probably know what I'm going to say. I mean, the Ron Artest trade is just, just, out there i mean it was and it was so this is what's so weird about it james as you know you heard about this trade for the better part of a year as if like it was like going to happen and it's like this trade's never going to happen this trade's never going to happen and you know kudos to the maloofs i mean the maloofs were the ones that really kind of spearheaded that effort to to get our test to make that thing happen i don't know what was holding it up i'll never know what was holding it up um, certainly that certainly them being able to trade a, uh, a borderline broken Peja Stojakovic for him, uh, was a coup because I think they thought they were getting the all-star that was, that they had seen in years past, but Ron Artest was that franchise altering move. He came in and they're like, no, we're making the playoffs again. It's, it's one of the most, it's for all the teams I've covered. Uh, it's my favorite Kings team by far because of just how, crazy tough they were how crazy crazy they were bonzi wells run our test kenny thomas was sensational in that season um you know you had you had the budding kevin martin you had brad miller and and mike Bibby, who were still there oh my gosh so uh i i still think had ronnie not gotten suspended that they would have beaten the spurs in that series and that sounds wild to say it, it really does but i think they would have and to me it's my favorite because uh i mean our test came over as a 
you didn't he didn't know what you were getting i mean you heard all these ne- you saw these negative things you saw the malice at the palace you saw all these things and it's like what is this guy going to be like when he gets here and he couldn't be it'd be like you grabbed a guy off the park who can play ball who comes in and he's just like as normal of a human being as you've ever met in your life and i know i'm talking about ron artest folks but ron artest is like hey ron uh the same guy who got a job at circuit city when he was playing NBA basketball, like this is who he is. The same guy so he who could get just, a discount, the same guy. Yeah. He, he, he loved, I was working at KHDK <laughs> at the time and the guy, you know, we would always try to bring uh, athletes in the studio at certain points. He came in, he's like, no, I love being in the studio. I, I just want to, I want to do this. I mean, there were other kind of motivating factors for him, which I could probably get into with the, with our, with, ah, with our, our premium subscribers for the happy hour, be sure the to bring that up, remind me and I'll, and I'll get into that. But um, no, I mean, you were right down the street. He lived up in Loomis and it was on the way off of right off the highway 80. And he came in and he'd come in and do, do shows. It's like, I remember Carmichael Dave hit me. I was like, man, Ron, Ron wants to come in again. And this is like, man, we just had him for like four straight days. <laughs> what are you going to do? Tell him no, like, no, this is great radio. He was fantastic. Telling all these stories um, and just, easily easily without a question just the most normal dude i swear to god like it sounds weird to say because people think he's out there and just he's almost too normal to be a celebrity figure if that makes sense like you kind of have to have a bit of schooling or training and how to be in the public eye ronnie had none of that he's just far too far too normal I knew that's, I knew that's what you were going to say. Like <laughs> it, it, as I was like saying it, I'm like, Oh, I bet you he's going to go there. He um, changed. He changed the complete, not only yeah. the dynamic of the team, he changed the whole makeup. They could do so many more things and he made people around him better. Like I remember looking at this team, going, oh, this team's kind of soft. Like you got a couple guys that are nice, but primarily he comes in to completely change that. It was incredible. Yeah. He was different. I, I, that's a move. If they can, could find a Ron Artest type, like, I, I just don't think that those guys exist in, in the league right now. There there's, you know, again, are you taking on someone with a, a different personality? If you were to make a Christian wood trade, maybe, but I don't think it's like that. I, there, there's something different. He demanded something different. He's just totally, totally different than any player that I, I think you could go out and get right now. Um, I'm going to say my favorite trade. I mean, it's, it's the biggest trade that while I was there, well, no, it's not the biggest trade. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. The, I was, the biggest trade is DeMarcus. I was going to say, I couldn't be the one you're going with. But. No, no. Uh, my favorite trade was the Rudy Gay trade because it did. That was like an all in move. It was like, look, the, we're going to get somebody who has a, who's still young, who still has potential to be great. And then you got him and like for people who weren't around, who, who haven't like, we've talked about Rudy Gay in the past, but he's like Switzerland. Like everyone Aww. liked Rudy. He's in the middle of the locker room. Everybody like fed off of, well, anyone who had gripes, you know, it used to be, it was Francisco. So Francisco was like the godfather early in the, uh, when I first started covering the team, he was the guy who was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, calmed everybody down like there was there are things that that francisco did behind the scenes that like to protect other players and stuff like that, that which showed leadership but watching rudy gay on a nightly basis 
the it frustrated you because he could have been so much more but he was so gifted and there mm. were moments where he did things that you're like like this is like things that you would see on your poster on a poster in your in your room when you were a kid like that he had a george gervin like like finger roll like there were things that rudy could do and he was such a nice guy and such a cool dude and and then he stuck around um like did it end well no uh was he a difference maker no um the team easily could have been much better um if they didn't like get in their own way with the you know firing malone and um you know not keeping isaiah and all that stuff uh, but I, I thought that Rudy was never the problem. He probably wasn't the solution, but watching him on a night in and night out basis, um, there are certain things that he did that were so beautiful on a basketball court that I enjoyed watching it. And I also enjoyed like his wit and he was funny. Like he's, you know, when you're in what happened to OJ Mayo, like, well, I guess when you're in Milwaukee and, and you're hurt, you eat, you know, like he, he always had like a one liner and stuff. I thought he was a good dude. And uh, that's probably my favorite. I mean, like the DeMarcus thing is like always going to stick out, but yeah. I think when they, first of all, there's two things that come to mind uh, when they traded for Rudy. One, I was so pissed off because I was on my phone and I'm, I knew something was happening. (laughs) I didn't know what it was because people kept calling me and I'm on a freaking cruise ship pulling out a port heading for the Caribbean <laughs> and they trade Rudy Gay. And I'm so pissed off about it because I like, like I'm literally, I can't, there's no internet. Like you can't, I'm out of service. I'm literally pulling off. We're like almost completely out of Miami. And I, anyway, it was bad. Uh, yeah. They're they're <laughs> And people are literally like Sean's tweeting from a boat because <laughs> like, they, you know, I was like, I'm on a cruise ship. I'm not going to be able to get to this, but it was also a coup. Like, look at what they gave up for Rudy. It was like Gravis Vasquez. And yeah, it like, wasn't like, I was trying to think, what did they, didn't they take back Aaron gray in the trade? Like it ended up being a bigger trade, right? Aaron gray came here. Yeah. There's three players that came here. It was Rudy, Aaron gray. And uh... man, I like that. Quincy what... AC. Quincy AC, I think, was the other one. Oh, you might be, you might be right. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't have it in front of me, but, but, uh, yeah, it was. I just remember what they got rid of. Gravis was like the biggest thing, and I want to say John Salmons, wasn't he? Um. Uh, that makes okay. Uh, that's he got traded to Memphis. Here he was with Quincy AC and Aaron Gray. There we nailed that. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chuck Hayes, Chuck Pat Hayes. Patterson. John Salmons and Gravis Vasquez. Yeah, I remember the John Salmons because if you remember when John Salmons came to Sacramento as a free agent the first time, he walked away from an agreement that he verbal agreement that he had with Toronto. And then at, he had the, he had a verbal agreement with the Suns as well. He did it twice. Yeah, he did it twice. And I remember, well, the Toronto one was hilarious because they were a little bit farther along the way. And he said, God didn't want me in Toronto. Yeah, like, he's God just wanted like, him uh, in and, Sacramento. And he had a, he had a hard way of just articulating it, but it was like, I just remember saying like people, okay, God, God hates Toronto. Okay. Sacramento over Toronto scoreboard. And we all know how that turned out, but yeah, you didn't, I mean, when you think about it, you really didn't give up that much for him. And I thought like, with all due respect to those players, Chuck Hayes, my guy. And you know, like. It just, well, he was unplayable at that point. Yeah. At that point, it yeah. wasn't like, you know, it was more contractually. And I thought this was going to be the perfect piece to put around DeMarcus. And I think there's those that thought it could have worked. I think it 
probably should have worked. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's a, that's a good call, James. I, I like that one. Yeah, no, he was, he was fun. He was fun to watch. Good dude. Um, uh, still, when I see him still always says hi, like, uh, yeah. I remember, uh, Kobe's last game in, in Sacramento. I actually, I think I even had video of it. I had pictures for sure. Kobe's last game, uh, Rudy grabbed his, his oldest son who, uh, he's gotta be like seven or eight now. Um, at least, uh, he grabbed him and, uh, Kobe like kissed, kissed the baby. Like I have pictures of Kobe literally like smooching on uh, Rudy Gay's little boy, um, yeah. Which I I sent to Rudy actually at one point. I, yeah. Like he uh, we I showed him the pictures right after Kobe passed. He was in Sacramento, and he asked me to send him the pictures. I sent him the pictures. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Well, one of the better dudes, and you know, like all of the stuff with Rudy, he was fun. He was fun to have around, and so um, yeah. All right, Sean. I think that's going to do it. Yeah. Do, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? Um, I don't. I think that uh, we've covered so many things, but one of the, I think, I think if there's one really bright spot to look out for, and we've talked about it already, but let's double down on this uh, Mr. Double Double with Tyrese Halliburton. I think this is uh, some, like, it, it's, it's interesting because I've heard someone brought up, you know, Tyrese in the way that, his impact that he's had on the game. And then I remember how Rajon Rondo would come in and get assists, right? He does a lot of the Rondo like assists, but I say that in the way where it means it's the most, here's the, here's the bucket. That's the most effective. Here's the most highest efficient shot that one could take. It's all around the hoop, right? Like all these assists that he picks up, they're meaningful. A lot of the ones that Rondo would do, you could argue weren't, but um, these are, these feel different. They have a different feel them to them than Rondo did. And I think right now what we're seeing from Tyrese is kind of that, that, that blossoming flower, if you will. And fortunately he is under team control. And I think that's a good thing. We talked about, you know, I think in our overreactions did Tyrese pass De'Aaron and uh, it, that's foolish, but, but the point being they're different players. And I think right now you're really starting to see that that true moment of him becoming an NBA player. It's not cute anymore. It's not, Oh, look what this rookie can do. It's like, this guy shows promise. I think he's really stepping into this element of his game more so than what we've seen in the past. I think this is a really important stretch for him. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to watch him develop. I, I remember like you, something you said there triggered a memory of uh, what Kawhi Leonard said. Um, actually it was what Greg Popovich said about Kawhi Leonard. He said, when we finally got Kawhi to understand that the reason why we needed him to shoot more was because it made our team better and we were putting him in positions to score. And it was because those positions, he made us better. And when he realized that it wasn't just, we were telling him to shoot more, you've got to score more. When he realized that it was, we were telling him that, if we're going to win, you have to do this. This is how, this is our best opportunity to win. You are our best opportunity to win. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment with Ty. He's had it with the setup with being an assist man. He's even had it with scoring for certain stretches, but he needs to understand that in order for this team to win, he has to get to that moment where it's like, oh, I get it now. 
if mm-hmm. it's not just me being selfish, it's that this is how we get better, not me. This is how we get better. This is how we take the step, how the Sacramento te- Kings take the next step. So yeah, I'm, I'm, he's so close to it. You can see it. And if there were like, if ever there were like times where we would like to have one-on-ones with guys, it would be a really cool thing to have a discussion with him about because I, I think it would go a long way, which is always fun because that, that's what I miss about being in the locker room. It's those oh, no moments doubt. where you're having like literal basketball conversations with guys about, you know, who they can be, what they can be, um, not on the record, off the record, just having basketball conversations, asking Willie Cauley Stein if he would uh, <laughs> potentially watch Dennis Rodman videos so he could become a better rebound because they had similar body styles. It's just he was four inches taller. And like, who? Like, <laughs> and, a com- and a competitiveness that just is un can't even measure i mean well, of course of course of course the other but... final thought that i had too because i had teased it on the previous podcast which was uh i did see licorice pizza fantastic oh. fantastic oh. yeah uh, it. a bit of a absurd potpourri <laughs> like things that happen around the main storyline that i think are just really fun um that i think most people will enjoy um and is it theaters or is it uh it's theaters streaming? yeah no it's theaters but okay. one that will be streaming that i also saw i actually went and saw it in the theater um was uh tragedy of Macbeth. so if you want to see uh if you want to see denzel washington and francis mcdormand two of the best actors in our generation get down on some shakespeare that one's for you mm, yeah look at sean but i will say licorice pizza i am that that's probably my favorite movie this year um i'm a pretty big fan of that one all right well yeah. i'll have to check it out okay so Let's finish with this. Uh, the the Kings beat off the record with the Kings beat virtual happy hour. I, I think I, I just keep extending the name because I think it's funny. Part do. Part do. Uh, uh, part do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is on Thursday from 530 to 7. It usually does run a little bit longer. Uh, the great Sam Amick is going to join Sean and I. Great though. The, is he great? He's, I yes, don't know if he's, he's great, though. He's great. Oh, well, he's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Keep gonna, our Muppet thing going. I'm going to introduce him as the not bad Sam Amick uh, when we have him on the happy hour on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, the happy hour is absolutely, uh, it's, it's a good time. And so you need to become a premium su- subscriber in order to get uh, the link via uh, Zoom and uh, it should be fun. So so jump on board, become a premium subscriber at the King's Beat. Uh, make sure to give us thumbs up and like us on, uh, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, do the same thing on iTunes. That helps us bump up, uh, but everything is going really cool here. Um, and... Uh, we're working on it. It's almost, it's almost there. It's almost there. We're going to have uh, for premium subscribers also a King's beat discord channel. And so that has some really interesting potential that maybe people aren't thinking about, but it's going to, it'll be another way where you can kind of tie in and, uh, and get to Sean and I and ask questions and stuff like that. But uh, you'll get some other content that you just aren't going to find anywhere else. So I'm cool. kind of excited about that because I know absolutely nothing about Discord. Yeah, well, I didn't either until last week, but uh, we're good. We're going to figure this out. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. And 
hopefully it's something that uh, that brings just another layer to the Kingspeed coverage. So for ABC 10's Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham. Good to see you. Uh, we'll see you twice on Thursday. Kingspeed happy hour, and we'll have another pod. So see you soon.